0: Disc golf fans, and welcome to Chill Disc Days, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Matthew Williams, and you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Chilliams, i L I A M S. I'd like to officially welcome you to episode number two of Chill Disc Days, and on today's episode, we're going to get into some player rankings. Well, kind of. We're going to dive into some strategy of preparing our draft day player rankings. Uh, Mainly, we're going to dive into the 2022 Disc Golf Pro Tour points leaders, how the Pro Tour points system works, and why it may not be the best method for projecting our fantasy player rankings. So, if we look at the Disc Golf Pro Tour setup for 2022, Players receive points for their best 8 out of the 12 Elite Series finishes, best 3 out of their 8 Silver Series events, best 2 out of 3 PDGA majors, and then they get both finishes from the playoff events, the Green Mountain Championship and MVP Open. So just looking at a, a couple of... Differences right there from what you're gonna see with the scoring from the disc golf pro tour and skip base is skip base doesn't include the silver series events. So there's already eight events right there that players will be partaking in that skip base isn't doing scoring for. Um, the disc golf pro tour, it's also dropping some of the events. So for those 12 Elite Series finishes, it's taking the best eight out of the 12 finishes. Well, in SkipBase, you're not getting those scores dropped. They're really taking into account every event. Also, just a slight difference, but SkipBase did not include the MVP Open or the Pro Tour Championship, and it did have the USDGC, United States Disc Golf Championship event in there, while the Disc Golf Pro Tour points did not include the USDGC, and it did include the MVP Open in there. Alright, so there's already a couple major differences right there between the Pro Tour points and Skip Base. Also the Pro Tour points is... the point structure is very different than the place system in Skip Base. It's very top-heavy, so in the point structure for the Pro Tour, first place at an event is awarded 100 points, second place is awarded 85 points, 3rd is 75, then it goes 4th, 69, 5th, 64, six, sixty. 60, the, the uh, gap narrows from there. So, whereas Skip Ace, the separation between every place is just going to be one point. In the Pro Tour points, they have a different point structure to award. It's, it's definitely more incentive towards the top end, uh, get a bigger gap with the points. So, if you are... Looking at your player rankings for skip base. if you're doing your draft and you're looking at the Pro Tour points leaders. Those are just some things you're gonna to have to take into consideration when constructing your rankings With that being said, I think the strategy that you want to take when prepping your player rankings is looking at the average finish now Statmando has this information available uh, they have, if you go to their stat zone, uh, you can look at the Disc Golf Pro Tour and they have a where you can sort by average finish. So I would recommending doing that. Now, there is a little bit of differences between, as I mentioned, the Pro Tour schedule and the events in Skip Ace with the USDGC including, being included in Skip Ace but not having the MVP Open a Pro Tour Championship. So I did a little legwork on my end and did do an average finish as well um, with, the, with the events that were in Skip base for 2022. So just slight differences between what you'll see on Statmando, but uh, there was a, a difference. So to kind of illustrate this point of, uh, of not looking at the Pro Tour Points, we are going to do a look at the top 10 Pro Tour Points leaders from 2022, and then go into the top 10 average finishes in 2022. Alright, so your top 10 Pro Tour Points leaders, you had leading the way Ricky Wysocki, thanks to four Elite Series wins, and the Pro Tour Championship. You had behind him, hot on his tail, Paul McBeth. Um, you had him extremely consistent, elite series win, runner up at the European Open, um, won Worlds this year, so a couple other runner ups. Um, so, very good year for Paul McBeth. Uh, Calvin Heimberg came in at number three. He's always there in the podium finishes. He had six top three finishes with two elite series wins in 2022. So definitely solid year for Calvin. You had Gannon Burr coming in at number four with eight top five finishes. And it did not include that USDGC uh, victory of his, his first, his first major. So you know, top four finish without even including that number one overall finish. You had Chris Dickerson at number five, Simon Lazat at number six with four elite series wins, Joel Freeman at seven, Matty O oh at eight, Kyle Klein at nine, and then rounding out your top ten was Corey Ellis. So those were your top ten 2022 Pro Tour points. Leaders. All right, now transitioning over to your top ten average finish, coming in at number one, the seventeen-year-old Gainer Burr, Burr, seven point eight average finish for Gainer Burr, and as I mentioned, oh, this does include this does include the uh, USDGC, so. Gannon Burr, if you do the average finish, really showcasing how consistent he was in 2022 with a number one average finish, 7.8. Number two was Chris Dickerson, uh, 8.5. He did not play in as many events as everyone else. He only played in 12 events. Uh, But he did come in with an average finish of 8.5. Calvin Heimberg at number three at 8.6. Then you had Paul McBeth at 9.2. And Ricky Wysocki at 9.3. So Ricky gone from first in Pro Tour points to fifth in average finish. Sixth place was Joel Freeman. Seventh was Kyle Klein at 15.3 eighth was Matty O. And just a little disclaimer, his average finishes, if you take out his do not finish at the dynamic disc open, his average finish bumps from 15.6 all the way up to 6.5, which had actually put him in, in first place. So he had a up and down, Let's say a, a good twenty twenty two season. He started off with that um, appendicitis and took a little bit to get going. But he, uh, if you take out that dynamic disc open finish, he would actually be up there in number one, around six point five. So Matteo crushing it. Uh, number nine, Isaac Robinson, sixteen point four average finish. So. 11 events, wasn't in your top 10 with the Pro Tour points, but did creep in there with the average finish, and then routing out your top 10 was Kevin Jones. Uh, then you had James Conrad, Chris Clements, then Simon Lizotte. Corey Ellis isn't even on there. Um, he had an average finish around closer to 30, right around 30. So you'll see that's, that's I think that's a big... Takeaway from this is, is looking at some of these players. This will be their like per game performance essentially with this average finish. In skip base, you want to look at more at what place you're getting because that's what points you're getting. In skip base, you get a point for whatever place you finish. If you're in first place, you get one point. If you're in 30th place, you get 30th points. If you get a do not finish. That really takes you out, puts you at the last place number. You could say you could be in the hundreds on that one. So those ones really hurt you. So that is one aspect. When you are doing your player, your draft rankings, getting ready for draft, doing your player rankings, say you're looking at the average finish that will be your kind of per game value, then you have to look at total value. And that's kind of looking at the total tournaments played. So, as you saw with, like, Chris Dickerson, who was top five in Pro Tour points, because he didn't make it to, you know, a lot of those events, he finished so well at the big events, got tons of points, but an average finish is eight and a half, that's top five, but he only played 12 events compared to, you know, 16 for Gatenberg, Calvin Heimberg, Palm Beth, Ricky. So that's you know, seventy five percent, three fourths of the games that they're playing. Quick maths, right there. So uh, I think that's what that's what you're really going to have to take into account is is knowing these guys' schedule, and that's going to that's going to be something I'm going to have to be better on doing my homework, getting on the socials, and following these guys' pro tour schedules is just getting a better idea of what tournaments they're going to be playing at because, you know, some of them are pretty consistent about not playing certain events. I know Paul doesn't like playing the Las Vegas challenge with those three courses that you have to play. I know Chris Dickerson's not at a ton of the events. as much as the other players, Drew Gibson, it's kind of that way. He was at 13 events. So those are some factors those are some things you have to take into consideration is the guys that are going to be at a majority of the events. Uh, Another one I'm looking at that popped off the charts was Mr. Nate Sexton. Uh, He was right behind Simon Lazat in average finish. Simon Lazat was at 21.1, Nate Sexton 21.7. However, he only played in 10 events and Those were the only events that he played all year. So you'll see a lot of these guys play like different, you know, even A-tier, different Silver Series, lots of different events. Nate Sexton only played Elite Series and Majors, so his schedule has really wind down on the competitive end, doing more of the live coverage, and obviously Joe Mez. So he's one of those guys that when he does play and he's out there, he's performing very well still. It's just a matter of... You know, he's at about half, a little more than half, you know, the events that some of these other guys are at. So that's going to be something we have to look into uh, in terms of how to value them is that per game versus total value. I don't know if there's a formula or something that I need to come up with. As a fantasy basketball fan, I've relied heavily on. It's so a hashtag basketball, basketball monster. They have a f- nifty feature to look at, you know, the per game values versus total values. So I might have to do some homework on my end, uh, break out some, some uh, spreadsheet skills and kind of figure out a way to value the players that, you know, do consistently place top 10, top 20, but aren't making it at ton of the events. Versus some of these guys, you know, at the end, I'm thinking, oh, let's say, let's look at, oh, Chandler Fry, for example. Um, he's at, you know, a ton of the events, Matt Bell, um, but they're kind of placing around the 50s. So I think those are definitely valuable people to have on your roster. You, you know, they'll be there. You know, they'll be there at every event, but it does lead to some strategy in terms of streaming. Uh, that is one thing we want to get into is the streaming. Is, is these players who are locals who aren't making it to a ton of these events. Having some open roster spots and knowing these guys who can perform, perform well at some of the local events. I think those is your best streaming capability. Is looking at some of those locals who perform well but only play at certain events. I'm thinking like Logan Harpool. He had, what was it, a top three finish at the Dynamic Disc Open, and, you know, he only played in seven events. So, you know, you're definitely not relying on him on a consistent basis, but there are certain events where you're looking at, you know, certain players who could be free agents, put, put them in that tournament, and over some players who, yeah, might be at the, might be at every event, but if they're placing in the 50s to 70s, you know, is it worth it to have them and start them every week or stream some of these guys who you can maybe pick up off the waivers and know they might do well historically as certain tournaments or of course, might fit their game better. Did get kind of sidetracked with the streaming, but wanted to circle back to the to the total tournaments played, look at some of the players that you are really looking at to be consistent for your team. So players who played in all 17 skip ace events in 2022, you had, and I'm going to do these by average finish, leading the way was Ezra Ederhold. He played all 17. He had an average finish at 29.8, which... Ezra would be around 25th in terms of average finish over 2022, but he played in all 17 events. So, you know, does that make him a top 20 player instead of the 25th best player? Um, You know, you think you'd have to give him that advantage. You had Albert Tam, uh, average finish around 34.7, played every event. Jeremy Colling, you know, he's going to be out there. Uh, Brody Smith at 39.8. Um, Jeremy Colleen was at 36.3, so another solid year for Jeremy. Uh, Austin Hannum was at every event at 53.9. And then A.J. Carey at 55.1. And I might have tailed off at the end of some of these. Let's see. 16 of the 17 events, you had Gannon Burr, Calvin Heimberg, Paul McBeth, Ricky Gwaisaki. So, honestly, I think those four right there. I just named the top four. Spoiler alert. If you're looking at the top four for next year, I mean, that's pretty clear. Then you had Kyle Klein, Kevin Jones, James Conrad, Chris Clemens. I mean, these guys are definitely going to be in your top 10, I would say. Um, Alton Harris, Corey Ellis, Adam Hammis, Aaron Gossage. These are some of the big names Bradley Williams, Luke Humphreys, Connor O'Reilly, Luke Sampson was at 16 events. That's a name to look out for. Uh, Gavin Babcock, Colton Montgomery, Chandler Frye. Tristan Tanner and then Noah 5 Ash at 61.9. It looks like is when I stopped. And yeah, I've seen his name a bit, but I haven't seen a lot of his game. But yeah, 61.9 average finish because he hasn't been towards the top coverage. But I mean, that's could be a name we look at in terms of evaluating. Is he a player you really, you really want to target at a 62 average finish? He made 16 events last year. So is he someone you want to target? He'll be consistently playing for you, but, you know, we'll have to look at that 62 score if that's really a positive or a negative. Uh, 15 events, Simon Lazat definitely made more than I anticipated. Uh, I know there was some talk earlier in the season before last year about, you know, he had a just gotten married and had a kid and, you know, didn't know what his schedule was going to be like. But that's what I'm saying with these, the, doing the research on the, on the schedules, that's some homework that we have to do. Look at the PDGA, see who's signed up for tournaments, and just get a feel for these guys' schedule. Uh, Mason Ford at 15 events, Garrett Gerthy, Linus Carlson, Casey White, Thomas Gilbert, Chandler Kramer, who was a rookie last year coming in at 15 events, and then Noah Meansma at an average finish at 80, but making 15 events. At uh, 14 events, you had Joel Freeman, and he was, you know, at top seven. Yeah, seventh in pro tour points, sixth in average finish. So that's a big name at 14 events. Still, you know, probably pushing that top 10 for sure. Uh, Andrew Presnell, Andrew Marweed, the Cookie Monster, <laughs> Emerson Keith, Ben Callaway, Eric Oakley, and then Max. I'm gonna butcher this last name. Max to Nick. I apologize, Max. But he was an average finished a 65 and a half. So that's definitely a name to look out for. 14 events. Uh, 13 events. Drew Gibson, that's a big name. And I think he's going to be a guy. We're going to have to look into his game uh, a lot more. I know he made some putting improvements. But, you know, I think he left a lot to be desired. He started off hot with that Las Vegas win and then kind of tapered off. But 13 events for Drew. Then Greg Barsby, Cole Reddallin, Matt Bell, Kevin Kiefer. Kevin Kiefer, I think, is going to be a name to look out for. Um, looked at him at the Lake Marshall. And, yeah, excited to see what he does. Um, Alex Russell, Zachariah Johnson, and then John Willis and Dustin Keegan rounding out around the 70 range. Um, coming in at 12 events. Some big names, Chris Dickerson and Anthony Barella. Um, Chris, yeah, look at the story on his. Um, we'll have to look at the consistency of his schedule. Yeah, he's really, I'm curious because, yeah, his schedule hasn't been extremely consistent with the DGP, the Disc Golf Pro Tour. So that's a name. Uh, I'm curious to see what his schedule is like for next year. I mean, he was second in average finish but played – 12 events so i'd like to say top 10 player still um obviously he definitely in terms of skill he's for sure a top 10 player and those average finish he's going to be leading you when he plays um yeah i just don't know how many events he's going to be in Uh, hopefully he gets to closer to the 14 to 15 i'm just not sure if he will but you know i would definitely put him in the top 10 i just think you have to give the edge to guys like Gannon, Calvin, Paul, and Ricky over Chris just because of the events they play. But 12 events, Chris Dickerson, Anthony Barella, I know he's in school. Um, gosh, I would love to see him. He, I think he's going to school for finance and coming from an accounting major. I just would love to see him just put all his time and energy into disc golf and just see where it takes him and be like, bro, just come back to school. It'll be waiting for you just he's just so good and I would just love to see him put all of his focus and energy into disc golf and see where it takes him because one guy said if there's a hole that Anthony Abrella can't birdie then it probably shouldn't be a hole and I agree so I wish 12 events I, I wish he would just full-time focus on disc golf but yeah I, I know he's got school going on so I'll have to look into his schedule more. But 12 events, um, what was his average finish last year? He had an average finish at 25.8. So yeah, right behind guys like Simon Lazat and Nate Sexton. And so many times you just watch him play, you're like, oh my gosh, he could do so much better. He'll have like these hot rounds and then just have like an even round mixed in there. And if he just put it together for a whole tournament. he's so one of those guys, like just huge potential. He just focused, yeah. And played all the events focused, but Anthony Barella, 12 events. Um, Randon Lotta, Newt, Van Holl- Holland, Paul Uliberry. I know he had some injuries last year, but he was finishing strong. So I hope his I hope his offseason works out for him. He can heal up and bump those. You know he's out there on tour doing commentary. So hopefully he can get those events bumped up to the 15th range and you know, he's still solid as ever, so I would you know not sleep on Paul. And then Zach Melton was also at 12 events. Uh, 11 events, you had uh, some more big names. Matteo, and we kind of talked about his where his average finish was. If you take out that dynamic disc open, started off with that appendicitis, so he missed some of the start of the season. So I would expect that number to, to bump up closer to the – 15, 16. I mean, Matty O has been a pro. He's been on the tour for so long. I mean, he is I would say definitely top ten player, and he should, I think his tournaments played number will bump up closer to the, you know, 15, 16, 17, you know, giving good health, hopefully. Um, Isaac Robinson, his I'm not exactly as sure why his events played isn't higher. I'll definitely be looking at Isaac and Ezra's schedule for next year, and seeing if they play more events because he's got you know all the potential in the world. Another you know backhand dominant player, but just the way he throws the putter. I mean, he's you have to his talent definitely puts him up into that top ten conversation. I would say, it's just a matter of kind of like Chris Dickerson getting those events up. Uh, James Proctor. 36.9 average finish with 11 events. So that's kind of a sleeper. Like, I know he's an OG. He's been around for a minute and might be kind of slept on just because you don't know how many events he's going to be on if he's still going strong. Uh, GT Hancock, Tim Barham, Nate Perkins, and then you have Clay Edwards, Ian Perchette and Silver Lott. And then 10 events, you had Nate Sexton. Uh, Vino Makala, and he had he had a great year, 27.5 average finish. Um, I haven't seen too much of his game, but was definitely impressed with um, some of the European players this year. You know, obviously, Nicholas had the uh, just uh, kind of heartbreaking loss to get like I was rooting for Ganon, but it's still kind of hurt to watch him lose, but he had a great year. Um, but also, Minot, um Silver. It was good to see, uh, you know, some of the European players crush it. Let's see, Jake Hebenhauer actually made it up to ten events. Fun to see his little horseshoe, <laughs> get some uh, get some attention. Gavin Rathbun made it to ten events. I know he had some injury issues. He was coming back from with the shoulder and. Uh, He just left. I just watched the um, part of the New World, and he had a do-not-finish there, but I believe that was more like a thumb, little finger injury, so I don't think that's related to his shoulder. That's going to be one of the guys, and I think that's going to be a name we're going to be diving into more um, on one of these episodes in terms of a guy to look out for is Gavin with his injury. Um, Austin Turner, Silas Schultz coming in, and an average finish of 63.4 with 10 events played. Justin Rozak, Jordan Castro, and Levi Hancock. So I think we touched on a lot of names right there. Just, you know, guys that are going to be a lot of events. That's what you want. Um, and then you can kind of, you know, once you, if you want to get that competitive advantage, you know, get into the tournament by tournament, we'll get into some of the locals. Um, definitely do some of the locals. I think, uh, Just looking at some of the grips at pick six, I think just going to have some sleepers definitely to throw out there. And, you know, you could take it and roll with it if you want, just because, you know, a lot of these people are probably picking the same players. And disc golf is like like other sports, but I think disc golf in a different way is very unpredictable. You know, it's a game of inches, centimeters, whatever you want to say. It's like, it's going to be hard to predict. So... I'm not going to be, you know, Nostradamus out here, you know, calling, calling the future. I, I, yeah, disclaimer. My predictions are not going to be spot on. This is just going to be my, my take, my analysis. And, and at the end of the day, it's your, you just want to have an opinion. You know, you want to listen to what I say and be like, yeah, I agree with that or I disagree because of X, Y, and Z and, you know, have form an opinion. And that's what we're doing is just, maybe, you know, we sparked something you didn't think about and now you have an opinion on a player and you can, you know, adjust accordingly. I think that is the uh, fun of doing a fantasy show, listening to fantasy podcasts is, is I'm just going to be, you know, transparent. I'm going to tell you where I'm at, what my thoughts are. And, you know, you just get to take that and roll with it and do with it what you will. And now you've, you know, maybe thought about something new, got your own opinion on it. All right. Well, today we talked about the Pro Tour points system and why the average finish is a better method to help you set up your 2023 disc golf player rankings. That will wrap it up for episode number two of Chill Disc Days, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host Matthew Williams. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at MrChilliums. Next week we will dive into some early season watch candidates. We'll take a look at some blossoming players that we will look at in 2023 as well as some 2022 bounce back candidates. Thank you for listening and may all your bogeys become birdies.